Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Tuesday Trots Live with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Join the conversation today and text us on 0499 736 736. Good morning and welcome to Trots Live. It's Tuesday and that means, for those who don't know the uninitiated, fields have dropped. Well, I have access at least Ooh. to the Inter-Dominion fields. Uh, we'll get to them pretty soon. That's round one. Now, we're going to talk about the Inter-Dominion. I haven't got a, a breezing with Bond per se, but I'm going to have a little chat. But before I get stuck into it, I just want to let everyone know, oh, or at least big. SEN track fans get ready, the Lids Fly team will be broadcasting live, live and unabridged, from Bell's Hotel this Thursday with Australia's leading greyhound analyst, Troy Little, texting your name and the code word BELLS. Throw in your email as well, if at all possible, to register a place for you and your mates. At the event this Thursday night, there were plenty coming in last night during the show. Entry is free and includes food, drinks, expert tips, and a cracking time. Texting your name and BELLS to register now. All thanks to Betfair. Looking that's forward to be, that. That's going to be fun. Hello, Bond. It's going to be, morning, uh, it's going to be big, uh, JD. There's no doubt about that. So that will be seriously good. Uh, I'll need to do the Friday form panel and have a nap on Friday before the uh, Inter Dominion starts on Saturday after a big Thursday night. But all right. So uh, as mentioned, no breezing with Bond. But I just want to discuss um, the Inter Dominion series because it is about to start. And uh, I think it, they're available for everybody now, but I'll get to the fields later. But I just want to talk about it more generally. Um, now, it is one of the most unique, unique sporting events, not just in racing, in any code, anywhere, ever, because of the way that it runs. So you have the Super Bowl. That's <clears throat> that's unique in its own way, I suppose. Uh, Seven-game series, that's unique in the NBA um, this is more like, though, I would compare it more to the Ashes. It's something that is very – the esteem in which it's held and the prestige which it carries is above and beyond. But uh, very quickly, I'll, I'm going to go through the negatives that people are going to talk about. And there, look, if you want to talk about negatives, you can because you, you're probably right. One thing is this series should be worth a lot more money. It should be worth a million dollars. Um uh, for the paces, it should be worth a million for both, probably the paces and the trotters. Um, now that the reasons for that, I won't go into. But obviously, to try and save the Inter Dominion deals were struck, and uh, and keeping the prize money at a certain level uh, needed to be maintained. But that the part of the problem with that is that the jurisdictions that decided to uh, take up or pick up the slack and keep the Inter Dominion going. Uh, uh, are out of the pump because they, th- there's a certain aspect of those jurisdictions having to raise their own money. Now, the critical key to getting it up or the prize money up to where it should be is that all of Australia and New Zealand should commit to the series and uh, and ensure as a an aggregate cumulative uh, 
set of jurisdictions, governances and bodies, administrations, that that prize money is available and that the host state isn't um, heavily encumbered or laden with the responsibility to do something that they're not capable of doing. So that's number one. Uh, number two, I believe it should go everywhere again. I know that that sounds old school and traditional, but I am old school and traditional. And I think the Inter-Dominion, the reason the Inter-Dominion got to be so big is because, and why all jurisdictions would be, where they would be far more willing to invest their money and participants within is if they know, okay, in five years, it's coming to Queensland. It'll, it'll come back to WA. So I'm going to get my bite at the cherry. I don't have to have the best horse in my state because only the best from the um, from the non-host uh, jurisdictions go to the Inter-Dominion. But if it's in your home state, then, you know, half the uh, 50 or 60% of the uh, runners are made up from home state runners. Now, moving through that, here's, here's the stuff that I just want to let um, punters know more, more than anything else. The Inter-Dominion is often known as the greatest test of horsemanship for trainer and driver. And the reason for that is we have three rounds of heats um, into a final and it all happens very quickly uh, this Saturday, then Tuesday, then Saturday again. And to be able to get your horse to back up, to be able to um, design where you want to go and where you want to stay, how to accumulate the points to make the final, um, how to make sure you're at your best when the final does come around or even when the third round, if you require points there, it's a great test of an, an incredible test of trainers. It's also an incredible test of the drivers who have to go out there and carry out the instructions of the connections and the trainers to try and ensure um, certain horses are able to um, give of their best. But all this also means it is an extraordinary test of the punter. And punters should not shy away from this fact. I know everybody these days loves their data and what horses and greyhounds are capable of doing and that they should be able to do something similar to what they're capable of doing all the time. Just bear in mind here with this Inter-Dominion series and all Inter-Dominion series, all that won't work. You need to look at each round of heats and you have to be a psychoanalyst in some respects and look at connections, horses, trainers, drivers, and these are some of the things you have to factor in. One is, who are the not-so-strong horses through this series that I've got a question mark over whether they'll get through it strongly? Immediately, you've got to think to yourself, one of two things in the first round. Will they be driven conservatively all the way through the series just in the hope of getting a gun run somewhere? Or if they've drawn well in round one, Will they use round one to be their big go to try and accumulate points or maybe even win a heat if they don't think they can make the final? Other things to consider. <clears throat> who are going to make go through the series very well? Who are the short and middle trip horses who you worry won't stay? I mean, Scotty Ewan's already been absolutely out and about with this and and uh, John Justice with horses like Bulletproof Boy and Hooli in the end that you want to be... Uh, they, they want to be targeting more than anything round two which is on Tuesday night at Shepparton. And I'll tell you why they want to do that, because their horses are not incapable of winning over a middle trip, but they might they might be near incapable of winning over a long trip at Inter-Dominion level, but over a short trip they reckon they can win if they get the right draw. So all the way through here, you've got to look at runners, heats, 
Who, who's really here to make the final? Who thinks that they can win the final? Who's here to try and steal the heat? Who's, um, who's just going to try and be a points accumulator without trying to do anything silly? Who are the strong ones that we know will get through the series or we suspect will? Who are the ones we worry won't? All of this has to come into play. So if you think you're going to approach the Inter-Dominion as a punter the way you approach a, a normal Saturday night, you're not, you're not going to be successful. You need to look through this and you need to make um, some sometimes off-Broadway decisions based on your intuition and your understanding of the game. And I'll tell you what, if you get it right, you will be rewarded because it is very unlikely. I haven't even looked at the heats yet. I'm going to in a moment. But it's very, very unlikely that all of the six Inter-Dominion heats, three for the Trotters and three for the Pacers on Saturday night at Ballarat, will be won by favourites. It's very, very unlikely to happen. But we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Matty Labbard's going to join us on the show uh, very, very shortly. Some great racing also tonight that we're going to have a look at. Then in the second hour, we've got Stephen Bell, the general manager of racing at Harness Racing Victoria, to talk about the extension of three heats for the Trotters and the Inter-Dominion Series in its entirety. And we're also going to chat with Tim O'Connor. He's going to have the latest news and views for 10 to 15 minutes. He's encumbered with plenty of work at the moment, Toki, and he works his bum off, but uh, we're going to get him for about one segment, hopefully, just to uh, talk through what he's found out. I know he made a visit out there um, pretty close to his house in Ballarat to Emma Stewart and Clayton Tonkin yesterday as well. At least I suspect that. We'll find out anyway in the second hour. This is Trot's Life, Tuesday edition on SEN Track. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Good morning and welcome back to Trots Life. JD back on deck, loves the Australian the anthems. Yeah. Um, and there's another one for us. And um, he's an Australian hero. Professional punter Matt Leppard on Me? the line. No, I was oh, sorry, mate. No, you were close. You yeah. were nominated, but unfortunately, probably, uh, felt the final. Probably hurdle. not being born here. That probably doesn't put me in the category. Well, given you spent 15 minutes in Ireland, I don't know if you're an Irish hero either. But we'll work through that, St. Patrick, a I little bit so. later in the show. I think I am, uh, Matty Leppard. How are you, my friend? Hello, Jace. I'm good. I'm excited. It's into Dominion Week. Um, I didn't go to the Breeders' Crown on the weekend just because the weather was dreadful, and I'm sort of glad that I'd stayed at home because of the weather, but I'm sort of ruining the fact that I didn't go because I missed out on seeing Captain Ravishing do his thing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind, uh, before we get stuck into the tips, um, discussing a couple of those broader issues. So, uh, yes, the weather was awful, but it didn't stop Captain Ravishing doing what he did. And I, I, where do you rate him now? Like, I, I know he's good. I know from a, um, a, a record a curriculum vitae resume perspective, he's got a lot more to do. But in terms of raw ability, I'm not sure we've seen that. Well, I haven't seen that many better in the last in the last 20 or 30 years anyway. Yeah, I think he's definitely the, the fastest and most exciting three-year-old that I've seen in my time. Um, whether he can um, translate that into a bit of toughness as he gets older, because, he's, you know, once you come up against the the Miracle Mile type horses or Inter Dominion horses as he gets older, you're not always going to get the front. Admittedly, he didn't get the front on the weekend, but when they're all pretty good horses, um, then you know you're not always going to get things your own way. So he's still going to have to develop as he gets older to go on with the job. 
But um, in terms of sheer speed and, um, and excitement, what we saw on the weekend, I don't think I've, I've seen a performance like that before. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, the, after there'd been some driving sideways rain, comes out, goes 51-1, obliterates the middle trip track record. And I did see some of the um, so similar connections involved in Sushi Sushi to Captain Ravishing. And just as I uh, as I swung by with my mouth agape after seeing what Captain Ravishing did, said, uh, is he better than – I knew the answer, but I, I like the response. Is he better than Sushi Sushi? And it was not, in, not even in the same world. So yeah, – um, and, and Sushi Sushi – Sushi Sushi. Sushi Sushi was, I mean, we go back all the way um, 20-odd years ago, a little bit over to Courage Under Fire, and um, and then Sushi Sushi would nearly rate as one of the better three-year-olds um, we've seen. Uh, so for Captain Ravishing to be called Different Gravy, it, it does tell you the esteem in which he's held. And as mentioned, I feel like um, two things that really even elevated the performance even further, uh, Dan Malecki's call. And really letting everyone know in in those words, that is one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. And then finally, uh, I had a chat, as I mentioned, on on Twitter and on uh, radio the other day with Clayton Tonkin. And I think there'd been uh, previously maybe that emotional connection to Ride High that precluded Clayton from um, mentioning Captain Ravishing in the same breath. And also being in their position, Clayton and Emma, you, you, you've always got to be careful talking them up too much, don't you? Because you've got plenty of good horses and uh, and owners that all want their horse to be um, front and square. But I think from the conversation that I had with Clayton that um, we can believe what we saw. It was just absolutely amazing. And even Mark Pitt to say that having driven right high, he thinks Captain Ravishing's top of the tree. All of those comments add to the, the promotional and marketing um, scope that we have with Captain Ravishing as well, I reckon, mate. Yeah, just two key points. The first one, um, after what he did on the weekend, I think there's enough evidence there to suggest that that Victoria Derby final, when he sat in the breeze and, and finished down the track, I think what I now reckon is that he he might have actually not been right that night. Um, yeah, I agree. I know, it was an extra, I, agree. I know it was an extra half a lap, but if you run an extra half a lap on the weekend, he probably wins by even further. So I think... I'm not saying that he necessarily would have beaten Leap to Fame if he was 100%, but I think he wouldn't have dropped back to be beaten by a large number of horses like he did in the end at the end of the derby. So after the derby, I thought, okay, that's where the horse is at. He's not tough. He can't run a strong 2,700, and he got found out by Grant Dixon's tactics. But after the Breeders' Crown on the weekend, I'm now convinced that Captain Ravishing simply wasn't 100% in the Victoria derby. Yeah, I agree. Point, I agree with that. But just, just quickly, what you said, though, is... is should should be confirmed here because we don't want people to blow up. That's not to say – I don't think either of us necessarily believe that means he beats Leap to Fame. Leap to Fame Correct. was still huge. Correct. That's right. I'm not saying he necessarily beats him, but I'm saying he definitely beats the rest. Yep. And he only ran about seventh or something that night, I think, from memory. So the other point I wanted to make, if you look at Twitter over the next 24 hours after the, the Breeders' Crown win on the weekend, mm. there was a hell of a lot of Gallops people talking about this horse. Yeah. Now – I can't tell you the last time that we had, like, I don't think even when Lock and Var Art was at his best, we had this many Gallops people saying, wow, look at this. And therefore, this horse is probably the most marketable horse that this sport has seen for a long time. Thinking back to the Courage Under Fire sort of days, he's another sort of horse that captured the Gallops' imagination because he was unbeatable as a three-year-old. He won 24 in a row and he was, he was knee-high to a grasshopper. And I think this horse has that X factor that can hopefully get Gallup's people watching our sport again.
I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I reckon part of it is weirdly because I talk about this regularly. The back in the day, probably the brutal, the more brutal the horse, the 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 the, um, the more they represented or symbolised harness racing. But you need to be glamorous. This horse is sex on legs. Like he's just he, Captain Ravishing is an amazing name. He looks incredible. He floats. His speed is so wild, and the margins that he wins by uh, matters as well. Because if you if you um, if you only just just sort of beat your opposition, it's hard to really permeate that that line between harness racing and thoroughbred racing or sport in general. But when you bash their brains in at Group One level like he did on Saturday night, it makes you a hell of a lot more marketable. Let's get stuck into the tips, and we'll start with race one on the card: the Garrard's Horse and Hound Pace. Who do you like here? It's a great night of racing. This is not one of the highlight events, but we'll get to some pretty soon and talk about um, the consolations of the Breeders' Crown. But who do you like in the first? Yeah, so firstly, I'll just say all the tips that we're going to go through today, they're all Bendigo. Um, We're not going to go into state at all. Just because tonight at Bendigo, it's an amazing card. They've got all the the consolations of the Breeders' Crown. So there's some really good two- and three-year-olds and some trotters there. Um, So we're going to look at quite a few of these Bendigo races. The first one's race one. It looks a race in two, in my opinion, between numbers 10 and 11, Rock in the City and Miyagi Boy. Rock in the City has had three runs to the new stable, and it's the one I've backed here. It's been 3.20 into 2.20. Uh, Miyagi Boy's been $9 into $5. So they've both been backed, but they both draw the worst. I just think um, with the, the slight barrier draw advantage for Rock in the City, I think he might be able to get around the field to the breeze mid-race, whereas Miyagi Boy probably has to sit back and come with one run. So Rock in the City has had three runs to the new stable. It was super first up from the breeze, pulling its head off at Maryborough over the middle trip and just kept going. Um, Swan Hill, it got beaten right on the line, but still went well. And then it had to settle back in the field and, and sort of try and come with one run at Hamilton. And I don't think that really suited it. I think it seems like it's best suited up on speed. So if you can whip around the field to get to the breeze by the bell then I think that gives it a big advantage over Miyagi Boy here. And I think the frontline horses, none of them are really much good. So if Jason Lee can get around there as soon as possible and dictate from the breeze, I think he might be too good. And um, Miyagi Boy might be spotting him just too much of a start. So that's race one, number 10, Rock in the City. Race one, number 10, Rock in the City. We'll get through at least one more before we go to the news and find out what's happening in the world. There's still plenty of tips to come up, Bendigo, given what a great meeting it is. But uh, we'll go straight to race two now, Wadu Soleil. Justin Livingstone and Anthony Butt is your favourite here at $2.50 and has had support, but there's been support also for Valley Star. Which way are you leaning, Big Cat? Yeah, it's a pretty good trotters race. There's some nice tops here, but Rada Soleil, uh, if there's ever a race that he looks well-suited, it's here. He's drawn front row. It's only over the 16.50, the short course, which really suits him because when he leads, he can start pulling quite a bit. Um, but over the mile tonight... Ant's butt can just hopefully cross to lead and let him keep rolling. And, and that doesn't really give them a chance to get pulling if they just keep rolling over the short trip. So I think the planet's all aligned for him here tonight. I'm just hoping he can get across number one, Sting of a Wasp. It does have some gate speed, but Rada Soleil is very, very fast. It's one of the quicker trotters in terms of gate speed um, in going, you know, going through the country grades. So as long as it can lead and roll along, it'll make it hard for horses like Everybody Loves Me and, and Bally Star to make round. Uh, over the short course at Bendigo in front's the place to be, and I think that's where he will be tonight. So that's race two and number four, Rada Soleil. Race two, number four, Rada Soleil. And now we will move on to the first of the British Crown Consolation races, the third event on the card. So by 6.40, we could have our 
Our um, our boots filled. Breeders' Crown three-year-old Silver Trot. Aldem- this is I'm going to be intrigued in your thoughts here because uh, of the consolation races. I thought this was one of the harder ones. Aldebaran Missy three hundred and eighty into three hundred and twenty. Kyvelli Piero, who we know has got a lot of ability, four hundred and sixty into three dollars thirty. There's been a drift on for more wanted. Might have been better suited off a frontline draw. Uh, and I'm Bobby's also there and has been supported nine into five. I am interested in your thoughts here and um, and and why you've chosen race three to play in because I thought this one looked pretty tough, Big Cat. Yeah, it is very open. Um, I'm with Aldebaran Misty here for Ryan Duffy and Jeff Webster. It draws the best of the main chances. So it's a very open race. Um, numbers three, six, eight, nine, they're all good chances. Number eight, um, I'm Bobby, trained by Eddie Tappan. He's done all the driving on this horse and there's a big driver change tonight. James Herbertson jumps on because Eddie Tapp's driving the stable mate, number one, Millie. However, Millie's a very slow beginner, so it may drag on Bobby right out of it at the start. So on Bobby may settle near last. Um, so I'm happy to settle with Aldebaran Misty here, who I think is probably the leader. Uh, she's only a filly against the boys. So the Trotters' consolations are dual sex, whereas the Pacers mm-hmm. tonight, they split them by sex. But the fillies get the preferential draw over the boys and the Trotters. So Aldebaran Misty has some gate speed. I think it can find the front. Um, Main danger is probably Clive Valley Piero on ability. I think he's the best horse in the race. Yeah. Um, he, he's had four, six runs back this preparation for a first up win, and then he's had a few issues since then with behavioural type things. Um, and I, I'd like to see Ryan Duffy play hardball here and hold the front. I don't really want to see Clive Valley Piero find the front. I'd rather keep Piero out of his comfort zone because that's when he's more likely to make a mistake and gallop and do things wrong. Mm. So if Duffy can lead and just keep bowling along and, and dictate the tempo on his terms, I think Aldebaran Misty will be leading for a, a long, long way. It's just a matter of whether one of those dangers um, coming wide can run her down in the last hundred. But uh, at uh, round the, it was uh, they bet four forty last night into three twenty now. Um, Clive Valley Piero opened up favourite, but Misty's just into favourite now. And I think you know once again if we look at the horse that's going to be getting the best run and that's in front, hopefully then Misty's hopefully the one to beat. So that's race three. Number three, Aldebaran Misty. Are we thinking now we're in that 320 marks getting towards rock bottom? Or, uh, I mean, you, I'm not going to ask you whether you're happy to take it because you've already taken a better price, but is like is 320 about right now? Come race time, I think all of these main four chances will start at least the price they are. I think that the market's found them all now, and then once the percentages get down from the, at the moment, they're betting about 131%. But when they get close to race time, and the market percentages get down, then the odds will all just um, quite sort of evenly drift out, I think. So there's no need to dive in at 320. I think you'll get at least that come race time. All right. We've got four more races that we're going to play in with uh, Matty Leopard when we come back from the news. But for now, let's find out what's happening in the world. Any more craziness over there in Qatar? We'll find out in a moment. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. A bit of Glenn Freeman here. Radio Gaga. He trained Radio Gaga, didn't he? Matty Leopard. Somebody. I think. I think a few people might have trained Radio Gaga. Do you remember that horse? Oh yeah. Was, was it trained up around the Shepparton region? Yeah, around, around that. It had the um. It had the yellow and black colours, I think. But uh, yeah, gee, you, you've taken me back now. That, that'd be over ten years ago, wouldn't it? Be about ten. Be about right on. Yeah, right on about a decade ago. So um. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Little trip down memory lane. 
<coughs> you, you speaking of the Shepparton area, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to um, to getting up there. Um, it's my old stomping ground where I grew up, and they've got a round of heats for the Inter up there on Tuesday. So um, I didn't go to the Breeders' Crown on the weekend because I'm actually doing the all four of the Inter-Dominion meetings. Um, so uh, I'm looking forward to getting out to all, of, all the, the regional venues and um, and then obviously Melton for the final. And for those who don't know, that's Ballarat on Saturday night into Shepparton on Tuesday down to my stomping ground. Beckley Park, Geelong, the following Saturday, and then we wait a week for the Inter-Dominion Grand Final on what will be December 10 at Tabcourt Park, Melton. Um, that's a fair old... Uh, there, there are going to be some road trips, but I'll tell you what, it is, it, 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 is, it is just amazingly special, the whole thing, and I'm very pleased. I know there's been some conjecture about Shepparton getting, um, getting heats, but they really deserve it. Um, the track there, the track there is amazing. The atmosphere that they will get even on a Tuesday night because it's a trotting town will be superb. Um, it's a tick for me. Yeah, Shepparton. For those who, who don't know, Shepparton doesn't actually have a gallops track. Um, the nearest gallops track is Tatura, which is sort of fifteen or twenty minutes away. But Shepparton doesn't actually have a gallops track, so therefore harness racing is, I guess you could say, the main racing code in the town. So they will get an enormous crowd there on Tuesday, even though it's a weeknight. They'll get a big crowd. And um, and as I said, it's it's just a thrill to sort of get around and see all three heats. Four years ago, when the Inter-Dominion was last in Melbourne in 2018, I was lucky enough to have a, ho- a share in a horse that made the final, Can't Refuse, who's yep. now recently retired. Um, and to this day, um, having a runner in a hometown Inter-Dominion final is still, even though he only ran seventh, I, th- I think it's still the biggest thrill I've had in ownership in the sport. Um, so those who do have a runner this year, um, make the most of it, enjoy it, and I hope you all make the final. Everybody will be living the uh, the same dream, and it is the Inter-Dominion. It means something else for those who love harness racing. Right, race five, first leg of the quarter tonight, and they've basically just paired off. Well, there's there's three star celebrities out, um, but it had to be out anyway, didn't it? Because it went through the uh, went through the final. So for some reason, there's been some massive market movers at the top of the market here. But last year, twelve months ago, a nutcase named Beach Memories I backed in the very same race, I think, um, or, or one of these uh, consoles of either the the Vic Brett or the um, or the Breeders' Crown. I reckon it was Breeders' Crown, and she won. She is a nutcase. She's the one I'd be going with. But you you might be going a different way. What do you like in race five here, Big Cat? Yeah, I've been burnt a lot yes. by Beach Memories oh, over the last few months. Um, so I, I just, I've sacked her. I just simply can't back her anymore because the bottom line is she, she doesn't seem to score up with them very often. No. And even when she does score up with them, she still sort of starts 10 or 15 metres behind them. Um, she wasn't really doing this as a two-year-old, but there's she's got to be in her bonnet now as a three-year-old. And, and I've noticed that Moran has essentially handed over the reins to, to Alfred permanently now. Well, that's because he's, oh, he, he's, he's actor as well, I think, in, in terms of that part of it. But her worst performance ever, uh, I was on track at Melton and she she was just bucking like a Rodeo horse before the start. And uh, I, think, I think Sal said that this isn't how I want to live my life. So he'll continue to train her for some time maybe, but the puppet will be driving, yes. Yeah, um, but for that reason, I'll back number two, our little Jet, who is the complete opposite to Beach Memory. She's a really professional little racehorse. Gets the good draw here. Um, gate two has gate speed. Um, Kate Gas goes on, looks the leader in my opinion. There are a few Emma Stewart stable mates drawn out wider. Uh, Mark Pitt is driving Joe and Joe, and he's normally the stable driver. But I wouldn't read too much into that in terms of which is the stable elect here. I think 
Um, yeah, owners of our little jet get their chance here. So they'll want to lead and hold the lead and give her a chance in front. And I think she, she can get the job done. Um, Beach Memories will probably have to go around and see outside her at some stage if she scores up with them. But if they're running around the 155-mile rate, then Beach Memories has to work even harder to loop the field. And um, and our little jet, she's, she's going OK. In the semi-final, she ran seventh, which means she was the first one to miss out from making the final. And um, and she was off the pegs that day. So on the pegs tonight, on a pegs track in Bendigo, I just think she's the one to beat. She's already been six, uh, 550 into $3, and I think she will start favourite. So that's race five, number two, our little jet. Yeah, and uh, j- just just to clarify there, I, I don't even know if I'll back Beach Memories myself. I probably will, but I'll say this. I reckon if they ever sorted her out, she'd be, um, you know, one of the best two or three of her generation going around. That's how good she is. But um, let's go with our little jet from the big cat as the more professional one that's going to be in the right spot, not 15 metres behind them at the start. Race six, the draws are really – well, you, if you're on Brutally Handsome here, and I suspect you are – uh, they've given you a, a very lovely price because you look at the front line and um, he's the only winning chance off the front row. And when you look at that situation, yes, there might be some handy ones off the second line, but Brutally Handsome's going to pinch a nice little march on them early, I would say here, Big Cat. Yeah, um, I'm surprised they went up the price they did. They opened 390 into 220 now. And I think um, the punters have seen it the same way as me, and that is the Brutally Handsome crosses to the pegs with all its main dangers drawn either wide or on the back row. Beach Villa, on ability, has the ability to win. It's drawn the outside gate here, though, but uh, it's turning into a bit of a, a money muncher. It's a former star two-year-old, but this season, very, very disappointing horse who on occasions can really get pulling hard. In the semi-final, it sat on the back of Captain Ravishing and, and got pulling and, and dropped out, ran seventh, and beaten 39 metres, so missed the final. Um, Brutally Handsome has gate speed, so I think it's got the gate speed to lead here, and I wouldn't mind seeing it hold the front in this sort of race. Um, I don't think there's any need to hand up to Beach Villa, because if it's posted in the breeze, Beach Villa is cactus. It can't win the way it's going from the breeze. Off your rocker, Crocker is a New South Wales horse who's had one run under Emma Stewart's name down here in the semifinals, but if it stays on the pegs at the start, it's going to be three pegs at best, and it's hard from three pegs when you've got the favourite in front hopefully dictating. So off your rock a crocker, I thought at 310 from inside back row, probably looks a bit short here. Um, and, and the other one in the market is Major Major from the back row for Greg Sugars and Jeff Webster, but I'm not really a fan of that horse either. So I just thought Brutally Handsome ticks all the boxes here. Um, gets the draw, looks the leader. It runs in the, the heat in the semi-final have been quite good. So that's race six, number two, Brutally Handsome for Ryan Duffy. Uh, so that is uh, brutally handsome. I'm sorry, I just got um, distracted for a moment because for some reason, uh, another one of our great producers here, A Rod, has come in to shake JD's hand, and they're shaking it like when you see it, like a G20 summit, just enough enough time so that everyone can get their their photos to show the diplomatic relations between the German Schmidt and the Irish candidate or ambassador um, Donahoe is as good well, as it can possibly be. It's actually there's actually a, a thing behind this. It's uh, we've got a thing that the first one to release the handshake is the weak one, so that's why we just keep going. That whoever, do- whoever releases first. That doesn't sound fruity at all. Right, right. We're gonna go. We're gonna move on to power in the world to race. Yeah, no, keep touching. That's good. Race seven. Uh, <laughs> On uh, at Bendigo and I'm just going to collect myself here. Aussie Sweet Bee is another bit of a um, a bit of a nut case, but has been heavily supported. No doubting Aussie Sweet Bee's ability. She's uh, she's very very good. She'll look a bit funny at the start, won't she? Big cat. She just likes to 
hang a little bit and put her head to one side, but she might have these covered for talent, I'm thinking. Yeah, she's a, she's an ugly going sort of horse. She sort of hangs her head on the side and, and looks looks awkward, but the ability's certainly there. She, she's been racing as the good ones all the way through, and she gets the barrier draw advantage over her main rivals here in number seven, Paradise Valley, and in particular number nine, First Dance, who's drawn the back row. Uh, there is a little bit of gate speed inside Aussie Sweet Pea, but she gets out of the gate good. I think all the horses inside her would be happy to take a sit on her. Um, I don't know if any of them, uh, including the fourth favourite, Delightful Tammy, I don't know, I don't think any of them are tough enough to want to lead and hold the lead in this sort of race. So Aussie Sweet Pea, throughout the heats in the semi-finals, she was the only one, like if you go back to the heats at Miraburra, she was the only one in this, in this race that had come through those heats that really was competitive or a winning chance in the heats. She led in her heat, and perfect in pink set outside her and beat her by six metres in the end. But she was she drew right away with perfect in pink at the top of the straight and, and was very competitive, whereas the rest of these in the heats at Maryborough just sort of stuck to the back in the field and, and followed them around. So I think Aussie Sweet Pea is the class horse. If it finds the front, I'm not sure if there's anything here that can come wide on the track and beat it. So it's already been 270 into $1.95. I think the 270 was a bit big, so around even money is probably the right price. If it finds the front comfortably, then it's very, very hard to beat. So that's race seven, number six, Aussie Sweet Pea for Jack Law and Julie Douglas. Race seven, number six, and I'll give you in the uh, uh, slip in one in the middle here, the very next race, which is one that uh, Big Cat hasn't chosen to play in. I'm pretty confident that our Vinny will be able to beat Naturally Gifted, so... I'll be going with Avenue there, and then we'll go to the... What's your speed map there, Bonners? Did you think Avenue would hold the front or another near end might cross? Uh, I think Avenue will be able to hold the front. I think so. Um, another near end has got uh, pretty good gate speed, but um, wasn't able to cross from memory the pole marker in the uh, in the semi-final that they were in. Well, did, did it get across? It did get across, yeah, actually. Another, another near end crossed perfect class. Yeah, that's semi- right. It has it has got good gate speed, but I'm, th- I'm thinking worst-case scenario here... Um, even if even if another Nian does lead, uh, either our Vinny comes out and has another crack and gets in front of it, or very worst case scenario, I don't think another Nian's handing up to anything else. So you've got a situation where, if anything, potentially that's better for uh, our Vinny over naturally gifted because if you go to that heat run um, behind Techie's watching, uh, our Vinny was, I reckon it was three back the poles and it just absolutely flew home. So. I don't think speed's a problem. He was, uh, the horse was driven a hell of a lot tougher at semi-final level and understandably um, knocked up slightly. But I think from gate one, it's going to work out well either way. But you've decided to target race 11. And again, I think you've set yourself, this is a nice little challenge because this won't be easy. But uh, are we going with black and gold? Yeah, I'm not one to normally back Brett shit way too often. But I think this, field, uh, this mare looks really, really well suited tonight. Um, it's only a field of five. Um, wouldn't surprise me to see Christmas Babe hold the front here. She's got very, very good gate speed uh, and she can get pulling a bit. So I think Shannon may just let her lead and bowl along, which means it might set up something for uh, the race for Swooper. And Black of Gold, Black and Gold, I think, is the class horse. She's racing really, really well. Goes best with cover. Um, last start at stall in what I think was a stronger race. She led and still ran second. Um but I think if she was to just sit back and try and uh, follow speed and have last crack at them, I think she just might be too good for them. She has a short, sharp sprint, and that sprint is probably a bit quicker than what her rivals are tonight. So uh, she's into about even money now. It won't start any shorter. Um, 
So just hold fire, but I think, you know, if she gets last crack at them, she might just run over them here. So that's race 11, number five, black and gold right. for the great man, Brett Shipway. Race 11, number five, black and gold. Um, great to hear you're, uh, you're on tour for the next couple of weeks. So um, this is going to be a massively exciting. It always is. But the three heats for the Pacers, three heats for the Trotters, so much to look forward to. So next stop, Bray Raceway, Ballarat, and I'll see you there, big cat. I'll see you Saturday night, Bonners. Looking forward to it. There yeah. he is, Matty Leopard. Thanks to him for joining us. And uh, there's all those tips, and we'll make sure um, to get them out, maybe on uh, on Twitter if we can. But uh, he's just targeting one track tonight because of all the good racing, the consolation racing for the Breeders' Crown at Lord's Raceway Bendigo. Time for a break. When we return, we will have a look at those heats, both for the Pacers and the Trotters of the 2022 first round of the Inter-Dominion on Saturday night. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Mm, Looks like we made it. Look how far we've come, my baby. We might have took a long way. It's Tuesday Trots Life here on SEN Track. Great to have your company wherever you might be. Right around the globe as the as Shania just decides she's going to turn off. SEN Track fans, get ready. The Lids Fly team will be broadcasting live from Bell's Hotel this Thursday with Australia's what? leading greyhound analyst, Troy Little. Jason bon Boddington. And eBay will be there as well. Text in your name and code word BELLS. Do it now. I think people don't realise. Text in this program, 0499-736-736-BELLS to register your place. You and your mates, that's all you have to do at this event on Thursday night. We'll do the rest. We'll just put you in the draw, into the, uh, well, I guess, into the list. Yeah. On. Entry's free, includes food. Food. Free food, free drinks. Jeez. Expert tips for free. What? And a cracking time, which is the most important and, and something you're very keen on. You always have a cracking time. Yes, I do. So, uh, we, we, and we are, we've, we've been waiting for this, so oh, we're looking yeah, forward to it. Absolutely. And, uh, Bonners and, and, and eBay have been talking about this, and then then Tomo just swoops in and tries to claim credit that he mm. was the one who got it over the line. Zero four double nine seven three six seven three six. Text your name and bells and your email now. Zero four double nine seven three six seven three six, and we'll put you in the draw. Well, Simple. Um, now we haven't got time. I don't need to go through the uh, Inter Dominion fields because we've got to go for our uh, final little break in in a couple of minutes. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's going to be um, that's going to be a really really. You're on the good rooftop, I'm told as well. You're oh, up geez. upstairs. You you where we we had the SEN track first birthday. You remember that? Yeah. I believe you're up in that sort of area. Yes. So if people are there. <clears throat> If you were thinking of going out for a little Thursday night beverage, go to Bell's upstairs, be with Bon. I'll tell you this right now, okay? And I'm not just pissing in his pocket because he's here. I've never gone out with Jason Bonington and had a bad time. No, I don't. That, that, that's, I, I, I've never had a I'm, bad time in Bonner's presence, ever. There's Toby. Hello, Toby. Hello, Toby. Hello, Tobes. Um, no, uh, I've never had a bad bad we, time we, in your we, presence. We, we will have uh, we will have a great deal of fun. There's oh, no doubt no, about it, absolutely. and a uh, celebration. So, um, book out your Thursday night, and then and then get set for the Inter Dominion series. Hopefully, at some point during that or beyond, we'll uh, during the 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 summer of glory at the start of next year, we might do one for harness race, and we'll be promoting this all throughout the day. So, if you want to go, get involved. Zero four double nine seven three six seven three six is the first time the Lids Fly team have gone. Not the first time. You were in sale one at one point, weren't you? But this That's is a, sale just, Sunday. Just, just a pub 
OB. This Absolutely. is our first one, so um, and it's uh, it's just up the road. So, uh, plenty of people were texting in last night, but uh, we don't want anyone to miss out. And it's an amazing deal, and it is all thanks to Betfair. So they've they've been terrific. Uh, originally, it was just going to be Troy Little and myself, and the boys were going to be no, back no. here, but not not uh-uh. any longer. And the critical key here is. I got myself into a bit of form last night with a Ooh. with a big victory. Oh, you won! You beat the pig. You didn't beat the pig. Oh, you win. couldn't have beat the pig. There's Maddie O. Big Good win. on you, Maddie O. You're going. Um, you are going Thursday night. Do we know? Well, it'll be it'll start at six. six yeah. I assume on Thursday night, so yeah. people can go and have a beer beforehand after they knock off work, straight to Bell's. Yes, and head upstairs. We'll be there, and you'll we'll, we'll be there you fifteen or twenty minutes early and we'll get them on the list. Have a beer beforehand. Um, Bloody oh. We'll go for a break, come back, and uh, if you'd like to do me a little favour, I'll just uh, I'll just go down and check up where I've parked my car. Yeah. Um, I noticed you were a bit late coming back in the last uh, little segment as well. Yeah, that was... The lift uh, wasn't working, yeah. No, really, it is. I was good enough to let some... Anyway, I'll tell that story <laughs> later. But when we come back, we've got Stephen Bell from uh, Harness Racing Victoria. He's the General Manager of Racing and Tim O'Connor, so stick with the State Moving Muscle. Great to have your company right across the country. Big day on Trackside today. Campbell Brown's in, Cam Luke here as well. We're going to have plenty of fun throughout the afternoon. Don't you worry about that. Keep your texts coming. 0499 736 736. Name, code word bells. You can send through your email address as well. And we'll put you on the list. You can go Thursday night to the Bells Hotel with the Lids Flyboys. Easy money. And you don't have to pay for anything. You walk in, it's all supplied. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. So I reckon get amongst it. Uh, we got a big day as well. As I said, Newcastle, Geelong, Merwillambar on the menu today with Cam and with Brownie. 0499-736-736. At SEN underscore track as well. Right across the day, SEN track on Instagram. We whack some tips up there. Also... You are sorted. You know the drill by now. We've been in operation for, what, three years. So you should know what to do. But if you are a new listener who stumbled across us, big welcome. This is where you. This is where all your dreams come true right here, especially when Campbell Brown and, and Cam Luca just filling pockets, especially on a Tuesday afternoon as well. Doesn't get much better than that. Stephen Bell going to join Jason Boddington on the other side of the news. We've got a big hour coming your way. So don't go anywhere. Don't change the dial because right now, until 6 p.m., it's going to be a profitable couple of hours. 5 p.m. I ain't staying an extra hour. But right through until 6, you can still win money as well. So stay with us. Welcome to Tuesday Trots Live with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Join the conversation today and text us on 0499 736 736. Hello and welcome back to Trots Live. Very quickly again, uh, there will be, I won't go through all this, but uh, text your name and the code word bells to register a place for you and your mates at the event this Thursday night. Troy Little, uh, Mitchell Bay and myself, Watchdog and... Toddlington Grey from South Australia will also be there. So um, all thanks to Betfair. It's free entry with food, drinks, expert tips, and a cracking time 
guaranteed or you get the money that you never spent back. Well, if, if, if you think about it, you could walk into Bells and not spend a cent but have the best night of your life. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy. Well, you, you probably will. In yeah, fact, absolutely. I'm prepared to have the best night what, of your life. What colour jacket are you going to go with? Um, the maroon? Nah, we'll have betting on that as well. Okay. I, I'm, I won't reveal. Well, yeah, we can't reveal. It's like the tie for uh, or the dress for the brown line. Correct. Now, yeah. this uh, interview is brought to us by Garrard's Horse and Hound, the best stock at the lowest prices. The general manager of racing at Harness Racing Victoria. It's quite a mouthful, but his name's Stephen Bell. That's a lot easier to say. How are you, Stephen? Good, thanks, Bly. How are you? I'm well, mate. Um, there'd be an element of relief, I think, that the first round of the Inter-Dominion Championships will begin on Saturday night because, um, you know, we build it all up and, uh, you know, promotionally, we're talking about the Inter-Dominion for a long period of time, even with all the other great races on, because we know we only get this opportunity uh, once every few years. Um, but from your perspective and from the racing team's perspective, we'll get stuck into the, the extension of the trotting heats in a moment. But as I say, there must be an element of relief because there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes, a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes to make sure that um, this gets underway in any way, shape or form. So you'd be looking forward to Saturday night and just getting it started at 5.34 p.m. No, I can't wait, Jason. And uh, look, we've been you know talking about this for a long time since we had it. Back in 2018, but as an organisation, probably meeting for over a year now, um, planning and preparing this from, um, you know, putting out expressions of interest of clubs uh, that wanted to host heats. Um, you know, that started way back almost uh, nine months ago now. Um, and then planning for, yeah, what starts at, uh, this Saturday night at Ballarat. But from a you know, racing team, you know, big shout out to our, uh, our close friend, Paul Oxenford and his team, the handicapping team. Um, you know, they changed the the way that rankings were done um, some time back, uh, the introduction of golden tickets uh, that were run throughout Victoria, uh, Queensland, New South Wales um, to guarantee starters. Um, so a lot has gone into it and uh, there was a bit of relief in the racing office this morning when we, uh, we released the fields uh, for what will be a, a fantastic night of racing at Ballarat this Saturday night. Don't celebrate at 5.34 because that's just race one, actually. 6.08 is when you can start <laughs> celebrating. That's going to be the first round of the uh, Inter-Dominion, the SEN Track Inter-Dominion uh, Trotting Championship. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've loved uh, a couple of these new initiatives. And I think what people don't know as well behind the scenes is these are pretty significant document of parameters around the Inter-Dominion because it's such a prestigious, um, traditional, well-known series. So there are there are moves that sort of can't be made. There's negotiations that have to be done. Um, Ballarat on Saturday night is where we start, and they've been good enough to, uh, to put the sprint lane in again, uh, which is something that they did a few years ago. I mean, there's, there's, in that fine print, in that big document, Bally, Maybe they don't 100% have to do it. Who knows? Um, but they've been willing to do it to play ball because of the relationship between the clubs and Harness Racing Victoria. And it just makes things uh, so much easier and so much more linear, I think, throughout the course of the series. But there's all these little dot points. There's things you can do, things you can't do. So even when you are trying to inaugurate things and create new initiatives, you you do have to stay within some pretty strict into Dominion parameters, don't you? Oh, correct. And, you know, there's collaboration between um, what they call the, the Interdom Committee um, plus the, the two other states that hosted in New South Wales and Queensland. And, yeah, we can, we can uh, come up with innovations and, um, and ideas like we did uh, with, with um, how horses are ranked, 
um, and as I said, the golden ticket races. But it's a collaboration, it's a collaboration between the other states, the IDEC committee, um, and as you said before, the clubs, the host clubs as well, and uh, all, all coming into line. And um, yeah, there's a, there's a fair bit of excitement around town right now um, as we do kick it off. And there's a fair bit of responsibility that goes onto Victoria's shoulders, and I'm not being um, jingoistic or patriotic about Victoria here, but um, I. Th- I think it's fair to say um, we do things better than everybody else. And, well, I mean, really, and that's not even having, having a lot, really. That's just, that we do. Uh, we, we have great resources and a great, uh, a great group of teams that work together well. But we kicked off this series of inter-dominions when the new deal was signed and really set it ablaze. Um, new Zealand then had it in the North Island. We went there. They are no longer part of the triumvirate of jurisdictions that are running this Inter-Dominion series, then there was a break in play for the pandemic. So in a weird way, as as well as we did it in 2018, there is some pressure and responsibility to relaunch it again in a way this year. So we can't be resting on our laurels because everyone wants the Inter-Dominion to be our marquee um, a branding tool opportunity race series, but we almost have to sort of relaunch it again in a weird way, even though we did sign that deal going back a, uh, three or four years ago and kicked it off so well. But there's a lot of pressure on this one to be very big and very good. Oh, absolutely, uh, Jason. No one's more patriotic to me when it comes to the big V. So um, we've certainly put a lot of pressure on ourselves in here. Um, geez, a lot changed, hasn't it, since we had it here in 2018? But we see, uh, you know, the relationships we have with, with SEN and, and all our media partners that are out there and um, you know, lifting our digital profile, our trot division. Um, this, you know, the finals night will be on, on racing.com. Um, we've actually, yeah, even just thinking through that, Jase, what, what, what will be bigger and better than 2018 we're really looking forward to, and you're right, the pressure's on. It's... Uh, yeah, we do set the bar, I believe, um, in Australasia. So, um, yeah, look out, uh, look out, come uh, come Saturday. And yeah, uh, I've got no doubt. This uh, this is obviously the key point in terms of breaking news over the past couple of weeks is that uh, there was an extension of heats for the trotters. And look, for a fair while, this has been, I guess, called for via the industry. But it's your job and Paul Oxenford's job and Fiona Mellor's job and everybody at HRV to sort of look at that situation and say, okay, I know everyone wants an extra heat for the trotters, but A, can we budget for it? B, uh, are we going to get the quality of trotters to match the paces? And as it turned out in the finish, you said yes, and I think it's terrific. But as I said in my tweet post um, that decision, I was really wrapped with it from the periphery, not having to go through the same level of detail that you did to get it to get it up and running. But I really hope now that everyone stays in the series and there's no attrition rate so that I guess in a way, the people who have called for this, they honour the, the decision from yourself and Harness Racing Victoria to add an extra heat for the square gators to uh, to align it with the paces for this ID series. Yeah, absolutely, Jason. Uh, yeah, even... Take it back, uh, I can't remember when we announced it, maybe eight or nine months ago when we said we'd put 100,000 extra on the green, on the, on the, on the uh, championship night to make it uh, 250K. So we're right behind the trotting community. Um, Paul uh, Oxford would have been uh, quite sick of me texting me uh, every night for probably the past two weeks saying, do you think we'll get another heat? Do you think we'll get another heat? Ox, what do you think? What do you think? Um, so when we finally make a decision... Um, yeah, we, we, we made it with collaboration, with, as I said, with the other states. Uh, we rang trainers, 
we rang influential trotting people that are in the industry to make sure we had uh, everything crossed uh, to make sure we were making the right decision. Uh, we think we have. We'll stand by it. Um, we've given 10 groups of uh, owners an opportunity to compete in an Interdom series, which I think is fantastic news. And uh, I'm sure the other states, if they do get the numbers that we certainly got, um, they will honour it with three heats as well. Well, I think the, one of the critical keys here is if you were going to have three heats, you didn't want um, – how do I say this diplomatically – you didn't want the riffraff um, getting a run in an Inter-Dominion series because that's not what an Inter-Dominion series is about. I mean, we want everyone to get their opportunity, but you want – if you're going to have three heats, they need to be three very strong heats, and I'm looking at them right now, and they are. Yeah, look, that, that was taken into account with, um, with every decision um, that was made. So we, we were looking at the quality of the field. It is an Inter-Dom. Um, you have to you have to earn your right, if you like, Jace, to, to run an interdom, um, and, and, and we we strongly believe that uh, the horses that are in there um, have earned that right. Um, each has got a story of their own to tell, um, and come Saturday night they get the chance to prove it on the track. Have you uh, before I let you go? Have you booked uh, some some time away in uh, Hawaii on during March or something? Because I can tell you what, mate, here's a little tip. We won't be doing. I tell you, we will be during Christmas on tracks and rolling around because um, it's going to be busy not only through to the end of the year, but then we get into the big country cups and then we get into the summer of glory and the Hunter Cup. So um, even though this feels like we've reached a significant milestone by running the the Derbies, the Oaks, the Victoria Cup, the Breeders' Crown, and we're starting the Inter Dominion, it really is only the start of an amazingly busy, frenetic, and very exciting period. Yeah, it is, Jason. And, you know, when you say it, it sounds, it sounds frightening. Uh, from, from all involved, from participants to, to, to staff, to club volunteers, to, to everyone that, that puts the show on. Um, but it is something we are looking at because um, it, it probably has got a little bit too congested um, for everybody. Um, so we've had a lot of um, consultation with, with trainers, participants uh, and clubs and the like. So... Um, yeah, watch this space. We might we might move things around just slightly to, to give everyone a little bit of relief moving forward. Sounds like a good idea to me. Um, Belly, thanks very much for joining us, mate. It's been great having a chat with you, and uh, good luck. I'll see you out there on Saturday night, and hopefully everything goes perfectly to plan and we can get even more excited as this Inter Dominion series rolls on. Just protect that voice, Jake. There's a long, long time coming up for that for that throw to yours. Uh, it's been like this for... I, I feel like I'm holding it together. Well done, Belly. There's Stephen Bell. He's the General Manager of Racing at Harness Racing Victoria. It's time to take a break when we return. Breaking news with Tim O'Connor. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. I was in the biggest army the world has ever seen. Very interesting news that um, we've already had a bit of breaking news before Tim O'Connor joins. There's a little bit of interesting news that maybe this uh, congestion at the back end of the year might be um, might be looked at going forward, which I'm uh, I'm excited about. Very. Anyway, more breaking news now with uh, Tim O'Connor in just a moment. He'll, he's uh, just going to join us uh, the proper way down in OB line not on the phone. So. He uh, will go through the Inter Dominion. Well, I might go through the actual uh, my thoughts on the six qualifying heats in round one of the Inter Dominion. Three for the Trotters, three for the Pacers. Um, after we talk to Tok, but I'll get some breaking news from him 
as soon as humanly possible. Is he with us now? He's not, unfortunately. He's not there yet. All right, I might do this now, and then we might, we might catch we'll up. We'll come with... back to Tog. I'll yeah. let you know when Tog uh, comes on. I've texted him a couple times, so hopefully he'll be on shortly. All right, round one, first, round, first eight for the Trotters. Uh, the first three are all for the Trotters. And as mentioned, they're strong fields. Uh, just believes drawn wide on the front line. Um, we know how good he is. I think he'll be a lot better for that run the other night. Um, what's up, Majestic for Ricky Elchin and Phoebe Onyx for Kerry Ann Morris, providing some interstate influence there. Zarem, who we love, wide on the front row, but have a look on the second row. Queen Elida. It's a random barrier job, but it's more like a, a pref here in a way, because uh, apart from Just Believe, Queen Elida is the, um, uh, I think, the top seed from Australia, along with uh, Majestuoso in this series. Prison Artiste has drawn awkwardly freestyle inside the second row. Adele Chinese Whisper. It's hard to say that he was um, he was at his absolute best the other night, but I can't believe he went around and paid $6. I, um, I was doing Would You Believe Some Housework and forgot to back him at $6. And uh, that was... More like the real Chinese whisper, though, with Kate Gath back in the cart. Powder keg just doesn't want to make a mistake. But Adele Chinese whisper and, uh, whisper and powder keg all outside the draw, which means they can't. They have to draw gates 10, 11, and 12. But Queen of Light are the ones to beat, just believe the hardest to beat in the first heat of the Inter-Dominion Trotting Championship for 2022. Heat two, the Kiwi, bolt for brilliance. We thought we might not see him. He's here. He's over all his troubles. Michael Guerin has been not backward in coming forward to tell us that Bolt for Brilliance will be better than all of our trotters here in Australia. Well, he's got Majestuoso drawn inside of him, so this is going to be a ripper way to start the Inter-Dominion Trotting uh, Championship with arguably the two highest-rated runners. Um, throw Queen Elida in the mix as well, but Majestuoso versus Bolt for Brilliance. The problem for everybody else, it makes it pretty hard for them. Uh, Pink Lars, we know how good she is, but she's first up from a break going into an interdom. So she's going to want to um, accumulate points here and then improve through the series. Sundance Carriage, Hatchback, always ready. Yeah, everyone's in a bit of bother here. The well-drawn one might be anywhere Hugo to just accumulate some points. Gate eight inside the second row behind the leader or three poles in transit. Uh, race four is the third of the trotting heats, qualifying heats for the Inter-Dominion Series. SEN track sponsoring. And one overall... Uh, mobile conditions. Let's see. He's very good one overall. I think that he can. Uh, I think that he can probably lead these. Uh, Majestic Harry, trained by Stephanie Graham, driven by Brittany Graham. She'll be excited, and won't she have a big job to do? Out there doing the interviews for Sky, and then jumping in the cart um, to contest the uh, the final of the three qualifying heats in round one of the Inter Dominion Series for the Square Gators. So that'll be interesting to see how Majestic Harry can go. Vacation Hills drawn awkwardly and not going as well as it can. B4 Bacardi. Now with Emma Stewart, we've got Mufasa Metro. Um, that's drawn the second row. He's a really good horse, but the second line draw is not going to help his cause. You wouldn't have thought, although he can overcome it. O Fortuna in there for Craig Demler. Uh, T Tree, Tommy Brandlow, Prince Robbie Royale. It's going to be a good race, that one. I'm leaning towards one overall. Uh, also should mention if you've Sunoco. Yeah, it's on the front row, but one overall and maybe Mufasa Metro, the top-rated ones there. Look forward to seeing what B4 Bacardi can do. Now we get to the paces. Uh, SEN Track Inter-Dominion Pacing Championship. Round one, qualifying heat. And we've got, um, geez, a big field here. We've got three emergencies. 
Monomia, Julie Nitro, make way all drawn outside the field. Uh, Mac Dan has drawn barrier two. He's flying, as we know. I think he's gone to another level this preparation. Bulletproof boy. He just wants to accumulate some points here. If he draws well for the uh, sprint heats on Tuesday night, and he does well enough here, he's a good chance of uh, making the final. So I would have an early place bet on him now uh, in the final. Act now. Uh, there was some uh, some fun bands between Jody Quinlan and I uh, over how much gate speed Act Now has. Um, we'll find out on on uh, Saturday night, won't we? Uh, drawn seven. What do you do? Maybe Jody says we won't press the button here though, and goes back at the start. That'll be intriguing. Wolf strides inside the second row. Expensive ego. One of the heavy hitters is drawn. Okay, okay. Trailing draw off the second row. Hooligan in in the series as well. Second heat of the SEN Track Inter Dominion Pacing Championship. Um, first round of qualifying, second heat for the Pacers. Let's have a look at this one. Zeus Bromack for Paul Fitzpatrick and Alpine Stride. So good to see a lot of New South Wales horses here, including Elta Orlando, who's got staggering, stunning gate speed. Uh, will he use it for Jack Callaghan? Will Jack Callaghan use it? Um, Tango Tara's drawn one. Uh, it's also got pretty good gate speed. Better be the bomb awkwardly drawn in four. Sticky gate, majestic cruiser, who you would think will really peak when the long distances come around towards the end of the series. Uh, is drawn into the second row. Then Beyond Delight, Honolulu Bay. This is a great heat. Spirit of St. Louis is there as well, and Sicario. And we'll get to the final uh, of the heats in a moment. But we have got Tim O'Connor, maybe for this segment up to the news and for another few minutes after that. How are you, Talk? Hey, mate. Good to be on. And, uh, gee, I'll tell you what. It's, I just sent a message to uh, Michael Howard, a colleague of ours. I said, oh, this is exciting. I'm already excited. It's uh, it's only the first few hours of uh, Inter Dominion Week. It's uh, it's an exciting time to be in harness racing. We have all the um, uh, the naysaying and uh, all the rest of it uh, heading in, you know, should be worth more money, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, you look at the fields and it, it, it all just falls away, doesn't it? It all just sort of peels off because the quality of the horses going around – the level of interstate influence, um, the excitement of how many of, how, how many great horses will be contesting these qualifiers. And then, as I mentioned right off to the top, the job that you and I and others have to try and weave a passage and work out, you know, who's going to win, um, who's going to want to accumulate points. It, it's actually intellectually more exciting than any other race series because of the fact that you do need to wind your way through the series and be peaking at the back end. So you, you really need to look through this um, with a, a different kind of form to a normal meeting, don't you? You do, absolutely. I know I, uh, I spoke to Andy Gath uh, just a short time ago just to, to get his gut feel on the draws that his sources have received. And obviously the, the key runner for him throughout the, the series is Majestuoso drawing barrier one. Uh, one gate inside Bolt for Brilliance. And I just asked him, obviously, obviously he was going to be happy with that, but he, he reiterated the importance of drawing well on opening heat night, Bon. Yeah. Just, you don't want to be on that back foot. You don't want to draw 13 and only pick up a few points in the first heat. It just, you know, even if he runs second or third or something, which you would think he would from that draw, like it's just a great start to the series because you can't be assured you're going to get good draws. I, I love the... Yeah, it's something we no doubt will play on through the course of the series in the media department. But the uniqueness of this series across all three racing codes um, needs to be amplified, I think, because it's it's interesting right right the way through, isn't it? And there's different circumstances and storylines that'll uh, that'll emerge, and there'll be injuries, there'll be horses that won't make it right the way through, almost certainly. So, uh, yeah, just an intriguing series. I can't wait for it. But it's like. It- 
I really don't even know how to, what to compare it with. I mean, it's like having the top four teams in the AFL, um, two te- you know, have two matches on Saturday, then you play again on Tuesday, then you've got to play again on Saturday, and, yeah. and it's a round robin, and you've got to accumulate points and win by margins. It, the complexity of it and the way it challenges, as mentioned uh, right off the top, the, the challenge to the horse people for a start, that, that's number one, then the drivers, then the punters. Everyone has to be on their medal. And you did write, uh, and, and uh, Andy did write about the fact that drawing well on the opening night is so important, critically because in round two, if you draw badly over the sprint, it's very hard to accumulate points. You don't want to be in a situation where you have to go hog wild and and do something crazy on night three over the long trip, do you? Because even though you've got a week break, uh, you just don't want to have to do that because you've already raced twice in a week. That'll be your third time. So this, everyone's got to be tuning in on Saturday night to Trot's Vision and uh, Sky Racing to follow this and to have their own little Excel spreadsheets going because if you if you're going to have a bet. Um, now or even after round one, you want to get a guide. In fact, now's not a bad time if you're going to have a futures bed because you try and work out what you think is going to happen here and it's going to have a great bearing on whether you're even a chance or a good chance of making the final. Yeah, it is. Um, and back to your earlier discussion around the draws, I think it's yeah importantly you don't want to be in a situation where heading into heat two or heat three, you're forced to drive your horse out of his comfort zone or out of her comfort zone. Um, just because you've got to accumulate points, which, you know, I'm trying to think of the right scenario, but a horse, is, a horse that's a noted backrunner that you feel you've got to drive forward on a sprint and the sprint trip at Shepparton just because you you only picked up one point on uh, on night one at Ballarat. It's, uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, fun to navigate. I'm sure you're going to have no problem filling some uh, air time over the next couple of weeks because there's stories aplenty. And just looking through myself from a, from a, you know, from a journalist's perspective, I think one of the great stories, Bon, and look, the horse has probably got no chance, to be fair, but Bob Kuchemeister competing yeah, in, in a trotting series uh, at age of 82. I've just uh, asked John Dunn, one of our colleagues, to pen a story on him that we hope to get across a few newspapers. I think it's um, it's what the third heat has allowed. Um, I know there's a bit of conjecture on whether we'll have a third round of heats for the trotters and that that has actually happened and that's expanded the field to 36 runners and that gives people like Bob Kuchemeister a chance to compete in this series. It's going to be a wonderful story um, in the course of the heats. There's no doubt about it and, and critically actually on Geelong Cup night Bobby wasn't feeling 100% so I'm hoping he's feeling better now and as we go to the news one of the great things for Bob Kuchemeister being in this series is Round three will be in Geelong, which is virtually his hometown, given he lives down in Bannockburn Way. So he's going to have, um, even if he, even if Leanne Leanne doesn't make the final, and look, she probably won't, it's going to be a wonderful um, lap of honour there at Beckley Park for uh, for Bobby Kutchenmeister, who's been a legend for a number of years. We'll go to the news, come back, and spend a few more minutes with some breaking news with Tim O'Connor from Harness Racing Victoria. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Last night. Welcome back. Uh, Talk, you'll be, you'll, 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 you'll be coming to the be- to Bells on Thursday night, won't you? There is a whisper of it. Yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, I will confirm that. But we have got uh, we've got some stuff uh, on at the offices on Thursday that I need to be down in Melbourne for. So I will confirm that with you. Yeah, but, uh, I... it looks like an awfully fun night at the office, and it'd be nice to sit back and 
uh, not have to carry on like an idiot myself and just watch you and uh, and Mitch Abaya do it. Yeah, and uh, and and the watchdog and Toddy Gray and Troy Little. I don't think Troy Boy will uh, he'll get too wild, but he'll tip plenty of winners, no doubt about it. Um, now I know you're a busy man, so I'll only keep you for another uh, five or six minutes. But have you got any? Have you got any little bits of um, breaking news around the traps at the moment as we head towards round one of the Inter-Dominion series on Saturday night? Yeah, well, I haven't heard the early part of your show, Bomb, but I, I don't assume you would have touched on this because this has just come through from Michael Guerin, and it's quite a sad story about Ray Green. Um, I might just read the first few lines of Michael Guerin's story, actually, because we've just put it on the line, online at thetrots.com.au. I'll just read it now. Just two weeks after copy that gave him the greatest victory of his training career, Ray Green is in intensive care at an Auckland hospital after being kicked by a horse with his wife, Deb, saying he is not out of the woods yet. Uh, The enormously popular trainer was on top of the harness racing world at Addington on November 8 after copy that defended his New Zealand Cup title, the second win meaning so much more because he could be there after being trapped in Auckland by COVID-19 restrictions last season. Just a couple of quotes uh, from his wife, Deb, um, who says that on Monday morning, Ray was kicked uh, by a filly in his stabling area with the injuries far more serious than initially thought. At the time, Ray didn't think it was a big deal, but his blood pressure kept falling and he was getting cold, which we know might have been b- because of internal bleeding. Apparently, uh, Ray's undergone a seven-hour operation, which saw part of his bowel Jeez. and colon removed. So that's the latest on Ray, Bond, which is extremely sad. Of course, Ray was out here for a long period of time staying at Anton Galeno's property just out of Ballarat here with a copy of that. And, um, yeah, that's the latest story on him. So from everyone in harness racing here in Australia and at SEN Track, we wish him all the best. Jeez, that is just yeah. awful. And uh, I've I've heard of this kind of thing before because, sadly, um, uh, horse people are so tough. I mean, anybody else uh, who had been kicked hard enough that clearly there's been a a, a massive laceration of the of the GI track there and, and internal hemorrhaging, but Ray's they're just so tough, aren't they? They they think everything's okay, but um, that's not okay. Seven hour operation, uh, there must have been quite a bit of bleeding to be in intensive care. So we, our thoughts and prayers of the entire um, Australasian harness racing world with Ray Green, no doubt about it, Doc. Yeah, absolutely. That was just something I literally. Uh, had only I didn't even know about when, we, when I jumped on the line with you, Bond. So it's very fresh to hand, uh, at least uh, from my perspective. And uh, yeah, Michael Guerin's just penned a piece there. So if you want to read a bit more about Ray and the situation, he's written quite a long piece, to be honest, probably four or five hundred words. That's up at thetrots.com today. You, um, yeah. So some obviously some bad, sad news there uh, around what is a really exciting week in, in harness racing. So. Uh, I thought I would pass that on because Ray's a much-loved character, obviously in New Zealand, but uh, very well-known and respected here in Australia. And I, I don't, I've never met Ray face-to-face, but he did take a few of my calls through uh, through Copy That's campaign when uh, the horse wasn't going uh, at his best, and he was fantastic to deal with, and we had a bit of a laugh. And, yeah, just seemed like a lovely guy. So uh, hoping everything's okay with Ray. 77-year-old, obviously um, in some uh, in a bit of a dire situation at the moment. Um not good. Uh, am I right? Just, I've got a bit of my own breaking news here. Um, okay. What do you got for us? I've, and I'm trying to have a bet at the same time. Now, <laughs> hang on a minute. <laughs> the, the, the markets are just slowly being released for the okay. inter, for the Inter Dominion. Um, tell me what price you would expect for uh, Queen Elida. Well, I thought she'd be favourite. 
Uh, one over is one overall in that. No, so I'll give it. I'll give you the field. Phoebe, Phoebe Sleepy. What's up, majestic, lot of muscle. Uh, Kukulin, just believe. Zarim, Brisbane Artis, Queen Elida, Adele, Chinese Whisper, Powder Keg. Uh, I thought she'd be. I thought she'd be probably still favourite over Just Believe. So maybe two fifty. Um, well, she's two. She's two ninety, and Just Believe's a dollar ninety five. Yeah, I probably would have almost said that the other way around. I'm having. Would you? Yes, I. I. Yes, I've, I would have had. I, I never had ever. I never ever have early bets because I feel like I need to do the form well, properly. Money in the account, have you? Well, um, there's plenty in there at the moment. <laughs> well, that's I've good. got a nice quality loss. Um, uh, but uh, yes, that is. Any other markets, Bon, off the top? I'm just. Uh, well, I'm just going to have a quick squeeze now. Did you go and? Was I right in thinking you went and visited Emery Clayton yesterday or not? I did, yeah. Sorry, I could have, we could have spoken about that. Yeah, I went and uh, had a chat to Emma and Clayton. I was actually listening to yourself and Steve Cleave in the in the last sort of ten minutes of your show, and you played the replay, Bon, uh, of the call from Dan Malecki. And I, I'm glad you you guys mentioned. I think Steve and obviously you agree, but it was just a wonderful call. It had the uh, the goosebumps going in the car. It was a perfect timing because I, I pulled up in the car park there and. I said to Emma and Clayton, I'd, I just felt obliged to go out there and visit visit them and talk to them about this horse because I haven't seen a reaction like it in my time. Um, I know Ride High caused a lot um, of interest when he was running, but I wasn't working at HRV then. So, yeah, we were, had a bit of a chat. Chariots of Fire is the number one goal for Captain Ravishing and uh, Miracle Mile is on the radar as well. That would possibly see Captain Ravishing and Ladies in Red clash in a Miracle Mile. Um I'd be in the Captain Ravishing corner, but um, what a race that would be. So they're, they're just taking the time with him. They're just going to pick and choose their races. No surprise there. Uh, he was out in the little paddock having a little break, but they said he'd pulled up sensational. And they just, yeah, they were like all us harness racing fans. Couldn't probably quite fathom what he did and didn't expect it, but uh, were wrapped nonetheless. So uh, the latest on Captain Ravishing, he's good to go, but he'll probably head towards the Chariots of Fire early next year. Well, the, um, the, the I mean, the famous quote that I've, I've used about 20 times since, and which is why I called Clayton Tonkin on Sunday morning, is, uh, of course, you going out there not so long ago and comparing right high with Captain Ravishing and, and having Clayton tell you to chin yourself. Um, but no, I th- he, told Alan, he also told Alan McDonough to do it as well, um, <laughs> to chin me. But I think that that's all turned around now, hasn't it? Well, okay, I should have asked him again. Well, yeah, the, I, 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 um, well, I can tell you from my conversation that yeah, that's nobody's chinning themselves. And, and, so, and nobody's so chinning should, anybody should, else. Should Clayton be chinning himself? <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly not going to suggest that he do that, no, uh, Tom. <laughs> but if you'd like I. to, that's up to you. <laughs> um, but uh, just an amazing, no. an amazing, amazing horse, an incredible an incredible performance. Is that the best performance you've seen, Bon? You've been in harness racing a long, long time. Is that the number one performance you've seen on a racetrack? Um, look, it'd be... I think Shannon Nixon actually um, uh, made a great comparison. I think in terms of Melton, um, they, they're the top three. Lazarus is under cup over Soho Tribeca. Um, it's still hard to top the the 48 performance from um, from Lock and Varad. And I'll, and I'll, the only, the only thing, like in terms of visually spectacular, yes, yes, what I saw Saturday night was the best. But Lock and Varad at that time crushed, self-assured, just absolutely spat him out, chewed him up and spat him out in a four-year-old Bonanza in forty-eight. So I'd put them alongside each other. But I, over the years, it's it's a different world, isn't it now? Because I think of some of my greatest. Uh, performances like Lazarus and his New Zealand Cup wins, um, even when he got defeated over there in um, 
in, in WA and then you, yep. you've got Blacks of Fake and some of the things. His win in the Inter-Dominion, his Inter-Dominion in Menangle is my favourite of all time when he took off down the back. But I, I think when you're talking about, and this is what we discussed a little bit earlier, I discussed with Matty Leppard, when you're talking about a, a, a promotional marketable horse, you couldn't get better than this guy because he's just, the name's great, he's sexy, he's incredibly yeah, fast, he's got the lot, hasn't he, for us to be able to use him to rope others in. And, um, yeah, spot on. It's hard to – I probably would say it's one of the greatest things I've seen in a race But it, then, you, then you go, okay, it was in restricted company, and then it's hard not to go past some of the open-class performances in big races. So, yeah, I think you're right, and maybe just putting a little asterisk there, maybe the most visually stunning thing we've ever seen. Um, yeah, and you're right, great name. Uh, he's fast, and – just, I don't want to be always giving Dan Blakey a pat on the back. He doesn't need it because he gets it all the time. But he knows when a big moment's there. And he almost, I reckon he knew that this would be marketed this moment. And he just went to another level. We, we always talk about him. He rises on the big occasions. But he almost went another level. He probably thought, I can see this replay being used a few times. Uh, I'm going to go hard on this because he just nailed it. It was just a wonderful call. And even Emma, I asked Emma yesterday, and it's on the, a little video I put on social media. As soon as I mentioned Dan's call... A big smile went across her face. Um, yeah, she loved it as well. That is one of the greatest <laughs> performances I've ever seen. And when Dan says it, it means more than when everyone else says it. Hey, Tok, thanks for joining us, man. I know you're busy. Get to work and um, we'll get out to your hometown on Saturday night for round one. Looking forward to it, mate. We'll talk soon. Break time. Back in a moment. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Welcome back to Trots Live. This is a Tuesday edition, but um, tomorrow he's just wandered into the studio now. Uh, Toby McKinnon will be taking us down memory lane from the winners of the previous Melbourne Inter Dominions. And um, you're Jace. pretty excited, aren't you? Oh, Jace. Oh, I've just, it's no secret, I've been pre recording some of these chats because yeah. it's hard to uh, juggle everything I do. I've just got off the phone for a 45, 50 minute pre record with Vic Frost. I've. I've done 85, I did 78, uh, I did 2,000 last week. Vic was away barramundi fishing, so he couldn't do last right. week. He's 81 years of age, going on 16, I dead said tell you, unbelievable. No, it's a dream for all of us. And he tells some classic stories, and there's, of course, he lost his son only two months before that into Dominion, mm. which at that time, you know, can you imagine, like he would have been, what, his son would have been 20 or something, and... The emotion behind that as well, he, he didn't draw well in any of the heats. He wasn't one of the favourites in the final and he get, gets across and to the front leads and wins and Vic shares so much of the story and the journey and worked him on a beach, Jase. Mm. And how he knew what distance he ran on the beach is one of the most extraordinary things I've ever heard. I'm, I'm, I've ever heard. I'm interested to, to tune in, but in, in a way... Um, uh very special for you. You mentioned that you were on uh, on track when Westburn Grant won as a uh, as an eleven year old, and for you, um, all the all the memories would flood back. And it's it's a very very like that, about that age is a really important time because you're genuinely falling in love with this with this game, and and they're your heroes. I didn't ask him about it. He ended up training a horse called Shandon. Yep, it was my password on all my. <laughs> 
on all my uh, on my first email account, the password was Shandon. Hopefully, that's that, how much I love Hopefully, Vic that Frost. only was your password. Um, it's not anymore. Good. It's not anymore. But that's how much I love this man, Vic Frost. Yeah. I said to you, it'd be like. Now, you pick your best AFL football when you were growing up as a kid. Like, mine was Tony McGuinness, which not many would know as a Western Bulldogs I know, I know Tony McGuinness very well. Right? Yours would have been... Peter you know, Dacos. Peter Dacos. E- exactly. Oh, could you imagine interviewing Peter Dacos for 50 minutes? The, the hard bit, and you'd be... We'll go for a break again in a couple of minutes, but the hard bit, for, in your perspective and, and mine, and anybody who has to do it, is almost... Um, not gushing in a way and, and holding it together, isn't it? So that, so that, so that the listeners get the um, the benefit of the, the yarns. The old 80-20 rule. I'm 80% I don't and 20% I think can't I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just can't help it. I've also recorded a chat with John Langdon, who yep. won with William D that year and, of course, is the only Rainsman to win both pacing and trotting in the same year in 1975 mm. when he did it with Carlotta's Pride and Young Quinn, a legend as well. And uh, John, I don't. Yeah, his uh, health is not quite as strong as what Vic's is, so his is not quite as long, his chat, but great to catch up with John. and John Langdon and Vic Frost in the one show. Yes. You know, <laughs> we just, unbelievable stuff. I can't wait to uh, pull it all together, go back, edit it all up. Uh, I've got to talk to Garrick Knight next and pre-record that, can you believe? How disappointing. Poor old <laughs> Dropping class. Um, no, uh, he'd agree. He'd agree. Margaret's are uh, filtering through. The, the only one I'll... Um, I'll question you on because I just thought it was really bizarre. I know you're a big Just Believe fan, as many people are, but uh, Queen Elida opening, there's been no movement in that first trotting heat. Just Believe's $1.95 and Queen Elida's $2.90. What are their draws? I haven't looked, mate. Um, uh, just Believe is front row, drawn gate six, and Queen Elida's second row, nine, which okay. is actually a great draw for Queen Elida, I think. It's funny because it's a heat. If that was the final, I would be on Queen Elida. But in yeah. a heat, and just talking to Vic Frost, how not winning those three heats of the Inter-Dominion were actually a blessing in disguise, giving him soft runs, being covered up the whole time. Oh, I, sp- I spoke all morning about the fact that you, for everybody involved, including punters, you've, this is, it's an intellectual challenge. You've got to work out, you've got to work out who's got to accumulate points where, what their goals are. Um, like Bulletproof Boy, Scotty Ewan's already said, that middle heat, Round of heats is your goal, and probably for John Justice Hulinian's the same. Um, break time. Did you have one more? I am intellectually challenged. <laughs> <laughs> I can be at times when it comes to anything normal. Um, we'll go for a break now on Trot's Life when we return. One more segment. And don't forget to check out the fields right now available on harness.org.au or the trots.com.au. Round one of the Inter Dominion series. SEN Track Inter Dominion series. SEN Track Inter Dominion series. Three heats for the trotters, which is great news, and three heats for the paces as well. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Welcome back to Trots Life. It's the, um, it's the closing stages, but uh, it sounds like you've got a huge day tomorrow coming up with uh, Wednesdays with Wombat. And he'll be looking after Thursday as well before the great Dan Malecki and I Lock horns to see if we can find the winners for these six Inter Dominion qualifiers. Round one, sponsored by SEN Track, on Saturday night at Bray Raceway, Ballarat. And it'll be a different kind of week next week, because if you haven't worked it out yet, round two of the Inter Dominion will be at Shepparton on Tuesday, then Geelong again on Saturday for round three before we head back to Tabcor Park for the final. JD? 
Hello. Um, what news have you got for me before I say goodbye and sign R and, and head off to do no, the form? No, no news. No news is good news. Cam you happy Luke in life? Cam, Cam Luke Campbell Brown with you after this. I'm happy in life, always. Yeah. Always. Tuesday night, T20 tonight. Looking forward to playing in that for the uh, Mighty Brighton Union Cricket Club. Really? Yeah, we've just got a little... There's a midweek competition they do in November usually. So, uh, yeah, we're in the midst of that. Cricket on Saturdays. They're sending me up to Brisbane on Sunday to call the uh, AFLW Grand Final, which is very exciting for me. It is exciting. First time travelling in my uh, media career. Uh, on, a, on a plane, I should say, during the media. Yeah, that'll be exciting for you. Damo Watson's one that loves the idea of travelling. I've done enough travelling to... Um, I think it's just something different. It's something exciting. When you yeah. do it, when you probably... Something new, unusual, when, different. Unusual, yeah, it's unusual. different vibe yeah. and it's Marbo and all that sort of stuff. But you, you've probably done millions of hours of flying. See, for me, this is all just new. Well, I don't, and, so and, and as we know, I don't much yeah, like you're flying. Not, yeah, you and so, John Denver. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, again, he's dead. So, and he did Sorry. die. That is I how know. he passed on. Yes, yes, yes. In a, uh, I didn't know that that time I played the no, played, um, I know you didn't. Country Road for well, you. Was, and... I used to say that much. Um, yeah. Well, that is a bit exciting. Yeah, it'll be cool. Um, what else is on the horizon? A uh, bit, bit of Big Bash coming up this summer. So just getting my head around that, getting that sorted you're yesterday. The one, you're the one, Blake. So Tomo's talking point sale Sundays as we say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Was, is there too much cricket? You uh, would say no. No. It'd be the one bloke who'd say there's never enough. Just, well, I think they just need to rework it. There's a way around it. They just need to rework it, shorten the big bash, find a way to weave in all these one-dayers. But, yeah, there's smarter minds than me, apparently, are, uh, are doing it, doing that, hopefully. All right. Um, that's enough from me. Campbell Brown and Cam Luke will join you in just a moment for a big four hours of trackside. Make you some money. And don't forget, if you do make some money, text in your name. Email the code word Bells to register a place for you and your mates at Bells this Thursday night with the Lutz Fly goes on the road for the very first time. Au revoir. Goodbye. See you later. Thanks. See you, Bob.